Hello everyone and welcome to the very 77th episode of Octothorpe. This episode is coming to you on the 16th of February 2023 and if you're on the way to the UCU picket line, solidarity comrades. I'm John Coxon. I'm Alison Scott. And I'm Liz Batty. And we have some letters of comment. We've got a toot, a tweet and an email. What's the difference between a talk and a talk? I don't know John, what is the difference between a, a talk and a talk? Uh, it wasn't a joke. I just think we need different acronyms for toot and tweet. A talk and a talk. A toot and a tweet. And we need them toot tweet. Oh dear. That wasn't where I was going with that, but it's staying in the edit. Boom. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Raj messaged us to let us know that they are going to write a proper lock later, but they loved the episode art for number 76. That was done by my wife, Espania. I will pass on your compliments, Raj. And it was a very good picture of three groundhogs, which looked suspiciously like us, looking at their shadow. And I did not get it at all. I did not understand it. I had to look at it several times and eventually ask John what it meant. And he told me. Oh, I, I also didn't get it till later. But uh... well, I, I very cleverly put the title and the alt text in the show notes so that people would read the show notes and be like, oh. <laughs> Bold of you to assume that people read the show notes, John. No, it's true. It's true. Well, you really assume that I read the show notes, John. <laughs> also, it provoked Alison to come up with a joke. Because it is said that if the three of us see our shadows on Groundhog Day, it means we'll have to talk about China on the podcast every fortnight until the end of the year. Foreshadowing. But <laughs> We also heard from Hugo Girl... Firstly, Hugo Girl mentioned us in their most recent episode, or possibly the second to most recent episode, depending on when you listen to this, listeners, uh, about weird crisps, and Amy and Haley have volunteered to try full haggis. So that's exciting. They're like, we love some offal. And I'm like, cool, that's good. And also, I mentioned to Laurie, who does their audio transcripts, that we have started doing transcribing with Whisper, and you can do this as well i will put a link in the show notes to the github repository that i'm using they got into a discussion on twitter about this so it's worth noting we're using the c port of whisper which means instead of being limited to transcribing at 2x speed you can do a full 45 minute episode of octothorpe in like three minutes which is quite useful so i chewed through all of our episodes and now we can like search when we said things like china or guff which is useful i've used it at least once already um, but if anyone wants any tips on how to use this software, uh, do toot me. Sounds ruder than tweeting you for some reason. Yeah, toot me, listeners. We'll get used to it. It's like the fart signal. We also heard from Christopher J. Garcia, who signed his email, Chris, who is also apathetic about things having meaning. So that was like the best send off to an email. Chris says that there is both haggis and vegetarian haggis in a can. We Mexicans are not barbarians, Chris says. We eat our brains and lungs in soup. Which, fair. Uh, he also says I'm wrong because GURPS is the one true way. When are you running a GURPS campaign then, Chris? Get on it. Only you told me why GURPS was rubbish and it was completely compelling. I totally agreed with you. Yeah, you were right. I only liked GURPS because it was the 80s then. Also, it rhymes with burps. <laughs> I wasn't sure if anyone would have one in the tank. and oh, I'm glad you did always always liz must remember not to mess with the time screens as the clock is running at both ends so liz don't do that i will not do that <laughs> having started burping i can't stop so i may be a while what have i done 
I would like to pull out some random quotes from Chris's letter. Uh, James Mason is basically a beard that delivers lines from a script. <laughs> and I'm also creating a museum about the things of my life. Thank you, Chris. It should be good. I would go to the Museum of Christopher J. Garcia. I've been to Chris's house, which I imagine would be similar. <laughs> I bought tacos. There's a good taco place near Chris's house. There used to be good Chinese food near Chris's house. But firstly, that Chinese restaurant went away. And secondly, he moved. And those two things conspire to mean that is no longer true. But the peanut dumplings were the best Chinese food I ever ate in my entire dang life. I was very tired. I was on my TAF trip. It was great. Shall we discuss China because we saw our shadows? I mean, specifically, we're discussing Chengdu, right? We're not discussing the entirety of China. That is true. We're discussing Chengdu. Did you hear the slight note of worry in Liz's voice there that we might somehow get political? (laughs) We don't have much to talk about China this week. What we do have is a post by Dave McCarty on Facebook that Liz found. I mean, my point is, if we're talking about, you know, if we're talking about like, you know, the Denver Worldcon, we don't say this week, we're going to talk about America. Like... It is not a monolith. Would you like me to do my joke again? But this, this is my point. I don't know. It just feels a bit weird to say we're going to talk about China when you know, we're not going to talk about a billion people. We're going to talk about the Worldcom. Yes. No, fair enough. I will now proceed to tell you about Dave McCarty. So rather, Dave McCarty on Facebook, he is the Hugo administrator for Chengdu. And he said they're in the process of testing the nomination page. Should be ready by the end of February. And given that the... Dates have moved to October. Nominations will stay open through the end of April and then voting on the ballot will happen in June. So that all sounds well and good. Why is this announced on Dave McCarty's Facebook page and not like the Chengdu official Facebook page or any other any other forms? Who knows? But it is nice to have some news. So thank you, Dave. I guess it would have been as accurate to say that we were going to discuss Chicago. <laughs> For those who don't know, Dave McCarty lives in Chicago. It's not a funny joke, even if you know that, but it's much less funny if you don't. So, so it might go to negative fun. <laughs> well done. I'm rocking it this week. Uh, but yes, thank you very much, Liz. No, I mean, it is good to know. However, I agree with everything Liz said. Going to snip that out and keep that on a soundboard for later. Yup. So, so yes, we should have nominations opening fairly soon. Fingers crossed. And from that, we can seamlessly segue into discussing what we're going to nominate for the Hugos. Now, this week, we're going to mostly focus on Best Dramatic Presentation, short form, on account of how we're all under-read troglodytes. Is that fair? It's fair. I feel I need to... I have a wider selection of, you know, stuff I have read to think about than I have things that I could plausibly nominate in Dramatic Presentation, I think. So, yes, basically, yes. Liz is less troglodyte-y. Slightly less troglodyte than you. I haven't started my pre-nomination reading yet, but I have watched some telly. Thank you, Renee, and the many volunteers who put stuff in the big spreadsheet of things that are eligible for the Hugo Awards. It's really helpful when it comes to trying to remember what year anything was released in and how long things were and whether, like, querying whether things are actually eligible or not. So thank you very much. Who wants to go first? John, pick one, and then I'll pick one. How about that? And we can go round for a lit. <gasps> a draft! A draft! 
All right, we're going to draft, listeners. The way this works is we're all going to pick one, and we can't pick one that someone else picked, and we're going to put the draft picks in the show notes at the end. Okay. Ah, oh, and I go first. Fuck, this is a lot of responsibility. Well, I've got to pick something that is good, because I can save my crap picks for after Liz has gone, because she won't pick any crap, because she's Lady of Discernment. I've only got, like, three picks as well, so... So do I go for what I think is the slam dunk? I'm going to go... For one that I think, I think this might win. And I don't know whether I think it should win, but I think it's got a very good chance of winning. And that is Babylon's Ashes from season six of The Expanse, which is the finale of that season and is a 2022 work. I think it will be on the ballot, even if I don't nominate it. And I think it has a very high chance of winning this category uh, as the capper to basically six seasons of telly. Uh, and also, I think The Expanse has done okay in short form previously. Um, but yes, I will pick Babylon's Ashes. Uh, uh, has it won? Has has it The Expanse ever won a Hugo? I think it has, but I might be wrong. I thought it did not win last year. Nemesis Games won in 2022, and that is the only other... Oh, and Leviathan Wakes won in 2017. And those are the other two times The Expanse won in Best Dramatic Presentation short form. So Leviathan Wakes was the first season finale... And Nemesis Games, I think, was the fifth season finale. If you give the Hugo, I'm getting all philosophical here, if you give the Hugo for best dramatic presentation short form to the final episode of a six-series television show, are you really giving it to a short form item at all, really? Or are you, in fact, celebrating a long form item? We have neatly encapsulated a debate that has been had for about the last decade and a half. Uh, the Best Short Form Dramatic Presentation Award has gone to a standalone short form piece of science fiction twice. Oh, uh-huh. when? Uh, Gollum's acceptance speech at the 2003 MTV Movies Awards and uh, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Okay, that's not a strong argument for giving the Hugo to standalone short forms. Though Gollum's acceptance speech was quite clever. I think the thing is that in practice, short form has never been about short form science fiction. It's always been about TV. I mean, and I think, like, it depends, right? Because we have seen TV win in long form, and that will come up again as a discussion later. And, like, I do think all of the things that have won in short form have been astounding standalone pieces. But, like... It's real tricky because they're part of longer works, but we award novels that are part of series all the time, so I don't know. I think this could be a future episode. Yep, yep. But I think, yeah, Babylon's Ashes is my first pick. Yeah, I feel like there should, it feels like there should be a place to reward good episodes of TV. If you don't think Babylon's Ashes is particularly good, but you like the last season of The Expanse, you might just put it in long form. I think working against it might be that, you know, The Expanse finished very early in 2022. It is a long time kind of out of sight, out of mind there. So that might work against it. True, true, true. My first pick is, it's going to be an episode of Andor. I'm just deciding which one I might pick as my top one. Uh, And it's interesting because one of the things I thought was quite good about Andor was that it did manage to do some distinct episodes while being serialised. I would probably pick One Way Out from Andor as my top pick which, uh, if you have seen it, is basically the one with the prison break and uh, a succession of great monologues. So that would probably be my first pick there. 
so, so that's the that's the prison break episode with Gollum's acceptance speech in it. Ha! See what you did there. Uh, yes. So Andy Serkis is extraordinarily fantastic uh, in that episode, and as far as I know, he is not wearing a motion capture suit. Uh, no, so I would have picked One Way Out um, as my first pick, except that I knew Liz would pick it, so I was like, uh, but yes, I think it is. So One Way Out is amazing. It is um, one of a series of a sta- uh, sort of amazing standout episodes of Andor, and I think it would be a worthy winner. Yeah, no, I also think that, I think it's probably my favourite single episode of Andor, and yeah. So my first pick is going to be the final episode of Severance, and you guys are going to have to tell me what it's called, because I'm I'm not doing any heavy lifting this, this episode. Somehow um, disconnected from Wikipedia. <laughs> I, I somehow disconnected from reality in a big way. It's called The Way We Are. The Way We Are. So it's quite hard to talk about the last episode of Severance without spoiling it, which I'm not going to do. But what happens in the last episode is that the various things, which I suppose always happens in the last episode of series, but the various um, things that have been happening coming come together in a really spectacular way, which is not like anything I've seen done in television before and is very both very entertaining and very thought-provoking and just generally wonderful. Um, and it's a brilliant piece of television, definitely the best piece of television short form I watched in 2022. And yes, it was the final episode of an extremely tight series. So we'll get back to that in long form. Yes. Yeah, so it is, I mean, obviously very good, directed by Ben Stiller. And I find Severance, one of the reasons I find Severance very interesting is that I think that if you look at Ben Stiller's career as like what he's done outside of acting, he's clearly had an interest in science fiction for a very long time, but he's also had an interest in very weird science fiction. So like he was the person who gave Rob Shrub and Dan Harmon money to do Heat Vision and Jack, which was a movie, uh, a, a TV series about Jack Black and a talking motorcycle. And so Stiller's obviously had like a somewhat offbeat sense of SF nor humor for a while. And Severance seems to be like a very good vehicle for that. And so, yeah, I have enjoyed uh, Severance greatly. Uh, And again, we will come back to that later. But also you say humor. Severance is a very funny show, but it's also an extremely unsettling and scary show in lots of ways. It's doing a lot, a lot of different, a lot of different things going on there. I think humor can often be very unsettling. Well, when you do it. Ah. My second pick, therefore, is going to be... I am going to go with Defiant Jazz. Defiant Jazz! It's a bit boring because we just talked about Severance, but I will pick Defiant Jazz because it's the best episode of Severance and I loved it. Just, just great. The Just the very episode title sums up everything I love about Severance so much. So yes, uh, I'm going to pick Defiant Jazz. And I, I guess I might be the one I nominate. If I only nominate one, it might be that one instead of the way we are. But but it's the one with the music dance experience, which is very good. So I, I get to pick next, I think. So again, it's quite sometimes quite difficult to pick a particular episode. So basically, I am trying to pick one episode of what I think was a bit of an up and down season. But I think I might pick... Hear all, trust nothing from Star Trek Lower Decks, which is the one where they go to Deep Space Nine and it's lots of fun. Yup, that is entirely legit. I mean, there's, there's really, no, really not a great deal else to say, which is it's loads of fun and it uses the Deep Space Nine characters well and it's nice to see them again and they're in cartoon form 
And it's just fun. It would either be that one or the the one which is called the Mathematically Perfect Redemption, which is the evil robot uh, peanut hamper. That is that is bloody great. Which is also a solid one. So I might, in fact, go for that instead. But I, I did it. But it'd probably be one of those will be on my ballot, I think. Okay. I will um, take the liberty, Liz, of putting both of those in the giant Hugo spreadsheet because I don't see them. No, I don't think they are in there. Uh, so, yes, go for it. And they probably ought to be because they are both solid, solid picks. And I, I think this kind of, I don't know, I think comedy and animation are both uh, parts of the genre that are treated less well than their uh, cousins. So I do think it's good to recognise them. I mean, there's also an aspect of gaming what i think will be on the ballot in a way and i do think that lower decks having been on there before has a good chance of being back on i mean to be honest i'm not sure i've seen anything obscure enough that it's not going to have a lot of support from other other areas but it's true there are a lot of star trek episodes in the spreadsheet right now but not the ones from lower decks so we'll pop those in i think that episode would have landed much better for me had i seen deep space nine i i loved it anyway (laughs) but i really wish i had seen deep space nine beforehand yeah, if I had one criticism of Star Trek Lower Decks, it's the way it shows up my inadequacy as a Star Trek watcher generally. I'm just too much of a dilettante to really get the most out of the series. So then it is over to Alison. I am riffing off the spreadsheet, but I think I'm picking something that's not actually on it, which is the Christmas special of Ghosts called It's Behind You. Um, because... I am a terrible Hugo nominator, and I think that Ghost is a great series that really ought to get more science fiction love for what it's doing, for what it's doing in fantasy and and the space. And again, comedy. I like comedy. I want to see more comedy on the short form ballot because I think that comedy is something that science fiction tends to do quite a lot better in short form than it does in long form. I'm not sure I've heard of Ghosts. Ghosts. It's a TV series about a couple who buy a house that's haunted. Oh. Yeah, you have. It's done by the Horrible Histories people. Is it? I should probably say that. Yeah, have you not? Do you, have you not familiar with ghosts at all? And then it's been remade for America with quite a lot of the funniest jokes taken out. I think the thing is, you haven't mentioned it on the pod. Ghosts? What? Never? Nope. I don't think so. Okay. Right. I don't remember, but John can, in fact, check transcripts. Oh, <laughs> he can. Is it good? Should I watch it? Well, watch it to see if you think it's funny. It's about a couple who inherit an ancient house and they discover that it's inhabited by a load of ghosts who are the Horrible Histories team. And, and all the ghosts are very funny because they've all died in, in terrible, Horrible Histories-type gruesome deaths, um, at which you gradually discover. You gradually discover what it is that's causing them to haunt this mansion. And um, and one of the couple can see the ghosts and interact with them, and the other one can't. And and humour happens. It's just a funny show. It's just a funny, entertaining show that's been running for I guess three and a half seasons. But start at the beginning, watch the first few. If you don't like it, stop. I will also say I feel like I would have remembered you mentioning it because having just read the cast, I am excited. It has Lolly Adafope, and it has uh, Katie Wicks as main cast, and it has uh, Jeff McGiven jessica Nappet and bridget christie is recurring cast and i'm like i am here for these people so yes i will look this up thank you and because it's british there's only like 24 episodes yeah it's not gonna take you long hey oh shoot it's back around to me what is liz gonna pick next and can i snipe it probably not oh hello interesting mm-hmm. now why does liz think i can't snipe it hmm well, i'm gonna pick a strange new worlds episode 
And then the question is, which Strange New Worlds episode do I pick? Ah, uh, it's tricky. There are a lot of good ones. We have been recently watching Strange New Worlds, by which I mean we have watched the first eight episodes in the space of about a week uh, and have been enjoying it quite a lot. I'm going to pick Spock and Muck. I think probably it's supposed to be pronounced Spock and Muck for the rhyme, but I usually pronounce it Mock and Muck, so hmm. Uh, but basically, it's great. It's just hijinks. Hijinks in space. In all the ways that Discovery doesn't let itself be silly anywhere near often enough, Spockamuck really embraces the silly side of Star Trek, and I bloody loved it. So yeah, I'll pick that one. And also, Nurse Chapel is the best, and I love her very much. So don't you, you're correct that that does not snipe me on account of your past pick is uh, falls into the genre of things I cannot legally watch because they're not available anywhere. I think ghosts may also fall into that. Oh, I thought you'd watch Strange New Worlds. No, Paramount Plus, limited limited market so far. Haven't bothered rolling it out, cannot watch it. So, yep, I haven't seen that at all. Okay. So I'll have to go with something else. So I am going to go with some more comedy, because I'm going to go with uh, What We Do in the Shadows, episode Go Flip Yourself. I don't know, there's a, there's a, the episodes in season four I felt were a little bit uneven and some of them have great moments but also some less great stuff going on but Go Flip Yourself is done like in the style of a sort of a home renovation show so basically Laszlo the vampire has been obsessed with a home renovation show and he thinks he has got the home renovation show in to come and renovate their mansion and so the first bit is done as though you know you are watching the home renovation show where all the crew are getting killed kind of you know behind the scenes and so on. But it all turns out that it, it is more of a a plot to bring back in a character from previous seasons, which is very funny because I just find the whole character incredibly funny. And so that's probably my pick of the fourth season, which aired in 2022. I have not seen, I could not have picked that because I have not seen, well, uh, blah, 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 I've not seen what we do in the shadows. Yeah, I figured you hadn't, so you wouldn't pick it. Um, so I was pretty confident you weren't going to snipe me. You probably should watch it, though. It's good. I watched I watched the movie and I loved the movie and I watched the first episode of the TV show and I was like, this is not as good as the movie and then I didn't watch any more. But I have heard from many people that it gets better, so maybe I should give it another try. I was really like, I'm not going to watch it because the movie was so good, this will just be rubbish and then it's got Matt Berry in, so... I do love Matt Berry. Yes, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. Hispania <laughs> uh, has that on a mug. Right, Alison, your next pick. Right, my next pick for Best Dramatic Presentation Short Form is the first episode of Season 3 of Mythic Quest, Across the Universe. We left the Mythic Quest people at the end of Season 2 really scattered to the four winds, and and they're not all doing the same, same thing anymore, and they're not all working on Mythic Quest anymore, and they've gone off doing all sorts of different things. So they had to find a way to bring them all together at the beginning of Season 3, because this is basically an ensemble cast. It's a comedy about an ensemble cast. And they did it very well, and they did it in a way that was quite science fictional, actually. Um, I mean, I know it's technically... <sighs> is it genre? It's a, it's kind of quite close to genre's Mythic Quest. It's a comedy show about a bunch of people who make video games. So, you know, um, one of whom um, has been a science fiction writer you know, before writing for video games and it's a good episode i really really enjoyed it and i was kind of like sitting down going oh don't know how mythic quest is going to cope now it's all going to be bad and then at the end of the episode i was like oh no it's going to be great it's going to be fantastic so i loved it there are some spoilers which i'm not going to again not spoil if you haven't seen mythic quest um 
it's good. It's on Apple TV, so a lot of people haven't seen it. Um, in general, you know, you want to get Apple TV Plus to watch Severance, and then you should watch Mythic Quest as well. And there's a few other things you should watch. Probably watch For All Mankind. I haven't watched it yet, but you should do. Um, and I will do, but I haven't yet. Um, there may be a reason why I've been watching a lot of comedy so far. I think all my short form nominations may be comedy, apart from if I short form nominate Severance, which I'm not intending to do because I'm planning to long form nominate it. Anyway, spoilers. Foreshadowing. So I have a question for you with that foreshadowing, which is if you have a spot left on your short form, will you still not um, nominate Severance or will you be like, oh, I'll nominate the best episode, Two Cracks at the Apple? I, I don't know what happens. Doesn't it all get transferred? And discounted. Um, Liz Bat. I was going to say, I don't actually know because, like, you can't, you can't end up giving yourself six nominations in best short form by transferring everything from best long form or vice versa, I don't think. But I think if you left a space, if I think if you put long, say you put an episode of Severance in best short form, but you haven't filled up best long form, I think it will get transferred. So I think, I think, like, they won't, if you've nominated it in both, they won't they will treat that as a nomination in both because it's very clear what your intention is. But if you've nominated it in short form and then long form, like two nominations off, I don't know whether they'd get transferred if they weren't enough to get on the final ballot. Yeah, I think it's quite possible then that my short form ballot will include what I think is the best episode of each of Andor and Severance, which we've already talked about. We've, we've already talked about both of them, in fact. So we've, we've each got two picks left. I haven't seen Star Trek Discovery season four, so I can't nominate from that. I haven't seen The Sandman, and I haven't seen I haven't seen the latest season of the uh, of For All Mankind. Sorry, and I know what I want to. Basically, it's between three, and the next one I'm going to pick is Asylum from Moon Knight. Now, not everyone loved Moon Knight, but that is because not everyone was correct. Because uh, Moon Knight was amazing; it was my favorite MCU thing. Basically, I've always had a soft spot for Moon Knight and seeing them actually fucking do it in all its weird glory on a big screen with Oscar Isaac was just like, what's going on? It was amazing. I can't, can't adequately state how amazing it was to see like something I love that much, like done so, so seriously. And not, no, seriously, because it had jokes in as well. But like, it wasn't ironic. I think it would have been very easily easy to do it ironically, and they didn't, and I respected that a great deal. Uh, Asylum is, I think, the best episode, but I loved all of them very, very much. And as I put it to my friend Ian when I guest starred on Become the Teapot, imagine that they'd made an Iron Fist TV show, and imagine how good that would feel, Ian, because you love Iron Fist, and imagine, imagine when or if they ever make an Iron Fist TV show, how good that will feel. And uh, for some reason, he seems sad. <laughs> that's my pick yeah i mean i think i liked i like moon Knight less than you which is not difficult i mean i basically thought it was pretty great whenever it was doing stuff with oscar isaac but a lot of the stuff that wasn't oscar isaac less good i like ethan hawke a lot, a lot as well i liked him i thought there were some interesting things but he didn't i don't know i didn't feel he got a ton of great stuff but just basically oscar isaac was so good at portraying the different aspects of moon Knight that i really enjoyed that bit so uh, I think you're right, thinking about it, that that is the best episode. Yeah, it's probably a solid pick if you're going to pick anything. We have not picked a lot of stuff from Marvel, have we? No. I mean, I think they had a weak year, but like, I don't think I'm going to put any particular episode of like spoilers, Ms. Marvel or She-Hulk on there because they just did not quite reach the top of my... I don't think I'll nominate anything from She-Hulk. I do think I was dithering, so like spoilers for my final pick. 
I was dithering between the partition episode of Ms. Marvel, which I do think was really good TV. Like, even though I don't think Ms. Marvel as a longer piece was amazing, that episode was pretty damn good. But I am going for a different one. I might go, well, we'll see. You're going to leave it in suspense. It's Liz's pick. It is my pick. I was thinking what to pick. I mean, it's possible that I will end up with multiple episodes of Andor on there. Uh, it's possible I also haven't watched Station Eleven, which is supposed to be great. Yep, I haven't seen that either. But I think it is quite possible that I will end up putting an episode of For All Mankind on there. The problem is that in season two, the episode that got nominated was like absolutely this season was not the season was not always great, and then the last episode pulled it all together, and then I think series three mm, not quite as good. Um Okay. But I guess it would probably be, if I nominate anything, it would probably be Stranger in a Strange Land, which is the final episode of the season. Again, because it pulled some stuff nicely together and set up some interesting stuff for the last series. And yeah, when they, it, basically the resolution of Margot's plotline in that um, sets up some really interesting stuff. And I thought she was really great. So I would go with that one. Margot is amazing. I haven't seen season three season four season three season three but margot is just so great and i love the way i mean i don't know whether this holds for season three but in season one and season two i love that both seasons start with margot in exactly the same way but in different circumstances i thought that was a really nice touch i am looking forward to seeing that season of for all mankind but we were busy uh watching literally all the other tv there's so much tv ah it's like i can yeah i mean i'm not sure i agree in you know, you, you have to kind of believe that maybe Margot was a little bit more naive than you actually think Margot as a character is. To I'm trying very hard to do this without giving a big, massive honking spoiler. But like she is a little bit naive to, to not see what's going on. But you, you kind of believe that she thought it would all work out OK. Right. And then doesn't work out as OK as you would like. I'm going to be so sad at the end. <laughs> OK, for life. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Then John can go and be sad and send me messages about how sad he is when he gets to that point. I do do that. Every time I'm sad, I send Liz, like, infinite texts. Liz, I'm sad. And I actually do that. Maybe I should start doing that. Liz, is give me a look. You're fine, John, but just don't just don't get sad any time after about, like, 5pm because I'll be asleep. So that is your problem there. <laughs> and he gets sad during p- specific times. You can send me infinite texts saying you're sad after 5pm. We can kind of have some timeshare arrangement and I, in return, will send back bad jokes. How the turns table. It's true. I won't send you bad jokes. That is Alison's domain. No, it's John's domain. Hands off my domain. When he's he's sad, he cannot be a joke creation machine. That's the thing. Alison, it's your pick. When we have five picks each, that's really a huge number because, of course... We're not repeating each other's picks, where in reality we are a tightly honed um, automaton who will um, absolutely replicate other people, each other's picks in the actual ballot. So I'm really starting to think for things that definitely won't be on the ballot. My pick is going to be Harry Josephine Giles' reading of Deep Wheel Orcadia at the Edinburgh Book Festival, which I found very interesting and very affecting. And I loved hearing um, her perform the poem or parts of the poem. Obviously, she didn't perform the entire thing and therefore i was very excited to see how it ended i haven't actually read the entire novel yet okay so i don't think anyone agrees with me on this and it's not going to be on the ballot 
The genre as a whole does not agree that this should be on the Hugo ballot in that it has not yet been on the Hugo ballot. However, I think it is the only show or perhaps one of two shows I can think of that is directly trying to talk about the current state of politics in America and talking about Trumpism and talking about the Republican Party and the way that corporations are distorting American freedom. And that is The Boys. I think, like, for all its faults, and I know that lots of people have problems with it, it's extremely graphic and it's extremely uh, colourful, but it's also not shying away from actually talking about this stuff in a way that I don't really think anything else is doing. And so I am going to pick Herogasm in in the latest series of The Boys, which is um, just a horrific episode. It's the episode where it becomes clear the depths to which some people will sink to do what they think is right. It's an episode which highlights all of the excesses of power and wealth. It's an episode that highlights how those excesses end up ruining lives. And I loved it. I think it was amazing. I mean, I was a big fan of Supernatural before Kripke left. So I've always been a fan of Eric Kripke's stuff. But The Boys is like so, so much better uh, than Supernatural that it's not funny. Um, and in some ways, Supernatural is the love letter to America where The Boys is the savage criticism of America. Like a Supernatural is a celebration of everything that Kripke loves about Americana and American history. Whereas The Boys is the utter pillorying of all of the huge problems in modern American culture. So yeah, that would be my fifth pick. I thought the boys had been nominated, actually. Has it? I did a control F for the boys on the dramatic presentation. It hasn't, but I'm surprised because I thought it had. Um... No, I think it, and I really think it should have been. Because like, even though I know not everyone gets along with it, I don't know, I just, I feel like it is doing stuff that nothing else is doing, even if you don't like how it's doing it. I mean, I've only watched season one, so that's why I'm not going to snipe you. I mean, I don't have a particular, I mean, I don't have a particular issue with it. I didn't really, I really didn't get along with the comics at all, but I thought the... F- the comics are terrible. <laughs> yeah, and that's why it took me so long to pick it up, because the comics that I read, I really didn't like at all. And so that was why I was a bit like, okay, yeah. The the comics are edgelordy nonsense, in my opinion. I think the comics are trying to talk about the same stuff but do such a bad job and also they're they're much more the comics are much more trying to talk about 9-11 but they're just not very good whereas the it's a really good example of a show taking the fundamental it's a bit like the kick-ass movie the first one it's 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 a work taking the fundamental idea behind a comic and then like actually making something much better out of it than the comic managed and i think there is it's not a coincidence that both the examples i've given are very edgelordy comics that were less edgelordy in their adaptations because i loved preacher but even that had like bits where you were a bit like really yeah i mean our face basically yep yeah okay i am not yeah i mean it is ultra violent but i'm not i wouldn't be surprised if i did see it on the ballot but i wonder also if it had its heyday kind of in series one and series two especially i heard good things about but then maybe not so much season three series two is really good series two is really interesting because there is a do you mind spoilers either you're gonna watch the boys i can't imagine it would be allison's cup of tea at all it's probably a bit violent for me i mean i am but i know that i know that like there's a particular character in it if that's what you're gonna spoil i was gonna talk about stormfront yeah i've not managed to avoid knowing that so yeah and like i like how 
it's the only safe it's the only science fiction show on tv that openly says that the modern republic party has nazis in it and no one else is doing that and i do think saying that out loud in fiction is probably good and i think it's something that the genre is shying away from which understandably so or no not shying away from that's unfair but i think the boys is one of the only things that's like obviously enough about what we're living through that it can make statements like that which can't be misread if that makes sense and that's why everyone who liked homelander from season one got really angry uh with later seasons i mean he liked homelander no but there were people who were like homelander's great right and then it's like no he's not why do you think that <laughs> i mean they're, they're, they're watching the same tv show right where you're basically oh yeah oh yeah that's kind of why I think it's useful to have a character as like, oh, here's a character, and then two seasons later be like, no, he's evil. How do you not get it? His performance is so creepy that every time he's on screen with a baby, you start worrying. Yes, he's so good. The actor is so good. Like, either the actor is literally evil, or the actor is a very good actor. And I'm not ruling out either, but like, oh my god, that portrayal was amazing. He's so unsettling. Yeah. Anyway, okay, yeah. So, okay. That's my pick. Liz, last pick. Oh, last pick. Oh. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Do I have any like totally left field exciting picks? And I don't think I do. So I mean I think it, it probably is it, it might be just looking at the spreadsheet. I mean, things that I've they're on there that I think were pretty good and would consider nominating is slightly surprisingly, I probably would nominate the episode of Stranger Things that is on there because Stranger Things was quite surprising to me in that I looked at series four and, you know, I was a bit like, oh, you know, it's been going a while. They keep get the episodes keep getting longer and longer. They've basically got a kind of entire plot strand that really should be kind of done away with because they don't know what to do with the characters, but they don't really want to do that. So they just keep them off doing an entirely separate thing and I get bored with it. So it's got lots of flaws, but the episode which is nominated which gets kate bush back to the top of the charts is pretty good so (laughs) i can't listen to kate bush because she gives me flashbacks to first year revision because i had a friend who basically just played kate bush songs and rocked for a solid two months and uh (laughs) i have severe kate bush based ptsd so I've been sitting here for the last five minutes going, what can I do for my last pick? What can I do for my last pick? Oh, what can I do for my last pick? Oh, oh, wait, I know. I haven't watched any of Stranger Things since ep- season one because I thought it was a bit pants. But but Kate Bush, <laughs> there's an episode that's got Kate Bush in. I can do as my last pick, the one with Kate Bush in because Kate Bush could do no wrong. And Running Up That Hill is my favourite Kate Bush song. So um, the notion that it basically reinvigorated, brought her... Um, music to an entire generation who had never heard any of it and um, and she's been completely revitalised. That makes it a perfect spot for my fifth pick. What I love about this is that you have somehow managed to you have somehow managed to slam each other on pick five. Not on pick like one or two, five. You both waited to the very end and then it got personal. Totally. Yeah, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, that's why I don't feel guilty about taking the pick from you because you have not seen it. <laughs> but i feel very aggrieved to be to be sniped on pick five that was really shocking kate bush is in multiple episodes so you could just have one of the other ones that has the kate bush song in because you won't understand the emotional resonance of the kate bush song because you haven't seen the episode 
No, I understand the emotional re- um, resonance of the Kate Bush song because I understand Kate Bush because I listened to it when it was new and it's really good. In the, but you don't understand the context of the show, why the Kate Bush song is so good. No, I think basically the show has fundamentally jumped the shark and decided that the way it's going to get emotional relevance is by stealing a, a piece of music that's far better than anything in the show. You probably don't want to give it a Hugo then, do you? Oh, I definitely don't want to get a Hugo. Look, right. I think I speak for all three of us when I say that using music to elicit emotional responses in dramatic presentations is wrong and any show that does it should not be on the ballot. I want entirely silent except for dialogue. It's about the ideas, people. It's not about the feelings. Hashtag proper science fiction fan. <laughs> John would have been nominating The Wire if it was uh, more science yeah. fictional then. Uh, I've never seen The Wire. It does not seem like it would be my cup of tea. So it famously has only music that because during the during the show there is no uh instrumental music oh interesting it is alison's pick and she's gonna pick kate bush's discography yeah so my last pick is all the other episodes of severance pick one any of them i think that is really like i think that is very very fair because severance was great that is what i'm gonna do if i run out of that's what i'm gonna do if i run out of nomination slots um okay so that was our picks shall we do picks I'm going to pick the Arthur C. Clarke Award shortlist from 2022. I read them, listeners. I read them. And I am glad I read them. Do you have opinions, John? I have some opinions. Small disclosure, I did not finish reading A River Called Time. I'm sure it was very good. But I think it's got some interesting ideas in it that are perhaps ideas that would have been better explored by someone who was better versed in the genre. And also, I think the author says that they have decolonized their writing, which I think is very admirable, but all of the female characters exist to be there for the man. I like move, I like books that have women in who are not just there for the men. So that was that. I also read Skyward Inn by Aaliyah Whiteley, which again, I did not like. I am not familiar with the Daphne de Maurier book, which it is in conversation with. And it may be that if I had read that, I would have liked it a lot more. I thought the science fiction idea was interesting, but I thought the characters were not people I wanted to spend time with. And I think it would have been much better as a novelette where they properly explored the science fiction concept. Because basically the first two thirds of the book build up to the last third where all the science fiction happens. But because I fundamentally didn't care about the characters, the last third is also like emotional payoff for the characters. And I'm like, but I don't care about them. So this just feels very flat. Uh, so it's a rare uh, comment from me that I think it'd been better had it been less character driven, <laughs> which is unusual. But there we are. I loved Vergen and I loved A Desolation Called Peace. We have discussed A Desolation Called Peace on the podcast before, but it is very good. Vergen, the alien love war is amazing. It's a very good way of making you think, oh, no, humans are the worst, uh, which was very fun. Uh, and I liked the way it does that. Clara and the Sun was good. Again, from the literary fiction angle, uh, but I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as the other two that I mentioned, but I did think it was quite good. And then Deep Will Orcadia is very conflicting because it is a poem, or as it refers to itself in the blurb, a verse novel. And it is clearly a work of genius, uh, and it is clearly incredible. However, I found the experience of actually reading it was difficult because I have ADHD and because you have to keep switching between the poem and the translation if you don't speak the Orkney language, which I don't. I found the actual experience of reading it was very difficult to get into. And so 
I have no idea how to talk about it. Like, clearly a work of genius, but approach it more like you're in an art museum than you're settling in for a nice novel, I think. But it was very good. But I didn't like reading it. But it was very good. Hmm. I think it's a prose poem that probably repays study rather than a rollicking good read, um, would be my guess. But I, it, it was very good to listen to. With it, because, of course, you're listening to it being spoken in Orcadian, but with English translations at the bottom of the screen, and that did help a whole lot. I think it, in some ways, reminds me a lot of reading Shakespeare as a kid, which is, I found reading Shakespeare fine, but watching Shakespeare is a lot better. And in some ways, it reminds me of reading the script, like, to Good Omens or something, where you're like, we've published a script book. And it's like, why would I read a script book? Or I'd like to read the thing that originated from the script and not the script itself. Uh, and so I do wonder whether... Uh, as with many poems, uh, it works better as performance than as writing. John, do you want the Hitchhiker's Guide script book? Yeah, but that's mostly because the stage directions are funny. Excellent, pursued by a bear. Yeah, Shakespeare occasionally has funny ones, but... John, did you enjoy your six stealth picks there? Or rather, three picks and two anti-picks, I think? Or three anti-picks? Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I whistled through it. Yes, you did whistle through it. Um, but yeah. For anyone else who hasn't read Vergen, highly recommend uh, buying it and reading it. It is, it is extremely good, and I think it was much less talked about than many of the other books on the Clark shortlist. Uh, so I highly recommend giving it a look. If I if I had to have one pick, it would be that one. Liz, I am going to pick the most recent issue of Strange Horizons, which is one of their criticism specials. They did one in twenty twenty two, and they brought out this one in twenty twenty three. It is also a tribute to the late. Uh, reviews editor there Maureen Kincaid Speller um, and so basically it's got a few tributes uh, to Maureen along with basically criticism that she would have liked to see um, and so it's got a great essay from friend of the podcast uh, Neil Harrison about his concept of overshoot novels which you must go and read the essay so you can find out what an overshoot novel is and then completely misuse that term uh, as a critical term forever <laughs> yup um, it's got a good essay or an essay I enjoyed on uh, Becky Chambers' Wayfarer's books, which I think gets to some of my issues with their Wayfarer's books. And even John enjoyed the essay, even though he likes the books more than me. So good. Because I think it's very, I mean, it's not a, a, like a hatchet job. I think it's not, it's not, it doesn't end up being particularly positive about the novels, but um, it really digs into kind of why, why they are popular, but why they uh why why the the author of the essay kind of feels they maybe fail to do what he would you would hope this kind of fiction can do is that fair yeah like and the author convinced me of their opinion uh which is i think the hallmark of great critical writing in that they argue i think very well that the wayfarer series is an expression of sort of current american liberalism and are not really sort of doing anything that can further us towards progression because they're reflective and not predictive and not trying to move towards a better state. And in that way, because of the way they're written, it basically portrays current American liberalism as the ideal. And I think and I think he really neatly hits the nail on the head of why I really dislike the second novel because he's like, this is an expression of the American dream. And I read it and I thought, this is wank. And I really don't like novel number two. I thought novel number three was confusing. I love novel number one and I quite like novel number four. But novel number two I really didn't like. And I think putting it in that framework helped me understand why. And I, I did. I loved that essay. I thought it was amazing. 
I think, yeah, great critical writing does two things. Firstly, it can convince you of the author's point of view. And secondly, it can make you think, oh, so that's why I think that. And I think the second one is actually in some ways like the holy grail, right? Like if you can identify a thought in the reader's head that they have not previously been able to articulate and render them able to articulate it, that is a very good, it was just, it was very good, even though it is incredibly negative about something that I uh, do enjoy part of. Yeah, I think ironically, John has just expressed uh, much better why I enjoyed the essay by picking out the things that I uh, would have said about it. So thank you, John. Sorry, Liz. In a good way. Yeah. Neil, Neil's essay on overshoots is amazing. Uh, Firstly, both because I think he's identified a thing in the genre that didn't have a name and given it a name, which again, hallmark of very good writing. And obviously, Neil is a genius anyway. But also because the number of people on twitter who haven't properly read the essay and are using that word in ways that he doesn't think it applies is truly hilarious so 10 out of 10 on both fronts so last week i said that my life had taken a dramatic turn for the worse and i had got deeply into um print and play games so in the subsequent fortnight my life has taken a dramatic turn for the worse again and i am really up to my neck in print and play games now um to a phenomenal degree i'm still not allowed to spend money apparently i was told i was told it was a hyperfocus by john and he said you must not spend money for a month it's a hyperfocus yep and Alison sent me a text message saying has it been a month yet and i sent a text message back saying no it has been 15 days which underlines why i say these things it has it has, I think, been the longest three weeks. The last three weeks have been the longest three weeks of my life by some considerable margin. Except mate. Yeah, no. It's, so it's been it's been quite a shock, guys. Yeah. But any anyway, print and play games, still good. Hey. If I'm still doing print and play games in two weeks' time, I'll try and, I'll try and do a proper pick. Sometime in the next two weeks I should get some time to read a book or watch some television or watch a movie. That'd be good. That was the Oct Thought Podcast. And it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. Um, for listeners who are wondering, uh, I don't know if this is going to come out in the edit, but if it is obvious how long my picks are taking after Alison is gone, it's because whenever Liz and Alison say a thing, they have invariably not added it to the show, the the big spreadsheet of Hugo eligible things, and so I am doing that before it gets round to me. You're a good, you're a very good friend. I have not been paying a lot of attention to the great list of Hugo eligibility thing because I just care about data, unlike you two apparently. I was going to do it later when I'm not also doing a podcast, John. Well, look, right, we all know that I have bad impulse control. The worst. Yep, true. The theme music for this episode was Fanfare for Space by Kevin MacLeod and Competech.com, used under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. This podcast will end at the beep. Beep.